Hey guys, welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. So um, here's just a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a starting note that isn't going to go along with our sermon. Um, but Wednesday night uh, we began a couple of weeks um, of really teaching about who we are at the Clemson Foothills Church. And so it, luckily, if you, weren't be able, if you weren't able to make it, you can go on the Facebook page. I would really encourage you to take a look at that, okay? There's a ton of great stuff on there, and it just kind of gives you some insight into what we're about here. Because one of the things that's really important to us is we aren't just people who try to have, be on our best behavior between 10 and noon on Sundays, okay? That's not our goal um, our goal isn't to um, have the most money or have the most people, all right? Our goal is to love God and to love people and to do that in the way that Jesus is teaching us to do it, all right? And it takes a group effort. It takes all of us. Um, so I would encourage you to go back and watch that if you weren't able to make it on Wednesday. Um, we're in 1 Corinthians 12, so you can go ahead and turn over there. Uh, we've been going through the book of 1 Corinthians. We are coming down to the end here. You'd think we just have a few weeks of sermons. We have a lot of sermons left, okay? If you've never read 1 Corinthians, Paul left chapter 15. Man, that thing is huge, but it's a great chapter. We're going to get to that. That's going to take a few weeks just to get through chapter 15. Uh, but we're getting to some things here. Um, one of the things I want to ask you to do is start to notice how Paul is writing, all right? Because he's telling us right here at the beginning, he, he has these different kind of like segments of this letter that he's writing to the Christians in Corinth, okay? And so he's, he's got all of these, and he's beginning a new section here, okay? And this new section, he starts right out here in verse 1. Uh, he says, now concerning what comes from the Spirit, brothers, I don't want you to be unaware or ignorant, okay? He's going to get into chapter 12 and 13 and 14 is one section, Okay, so when you're reading that, keep that in mind. He's addressing something over these chapters, okay? Now, he's going to start talking about the Holy Spirit. We get a little goofy when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, okay? Because there's a whole big old, like, continuum range, okay? There, there's one range that's just, like, way over, like, man, the Holy Spirit is just, like, making me do all these, you know, just craziness, okay? And then there's another side going, Listen, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit. All right, let, 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 let's not get too crazy here, okay? Once we start talking about the Holy Spirit, everything goes, goes nuts, okay? There's kind of like the continuum of that. Here's what we're not trying to do, okay? Um, we don't read the Bible to find out what, I, I, don't, I don't read this, go, okay, well, what does Clemson Foothills Church believe about the Holy Spirit? We're reading the Bible to find out what is God teaching us about his Holy Spirit, okay? That's very different. A lot of times it's easy, you come to a church and you're like, okay, they're going to teach us about what they think about this. I'm saying, no, we're going to read this and we're going to submit to God 
in the way that he wants his church to be run. Okay, so that's really important, but we're going to start reading this right here. As we've said a few weeks, the Corinthians have done something very well. Okay, they've done something, I mean, and I think we can kind of go along with this. They were great at divisions. They were great at a group of people coming together. And particularly, though, um, where, where their division lines lie was among the rich versus the poor. Okay, that's what was going on in Corinth at the time. So many of their issues had to do with the, the rich disciples and the poor disciples, and there was this conflict between them, right? For us today, man, we've taken divisions to a whole other level. I mean, we could be divided over any number of things. I mean, I started just writing down a list. I'm like, I'm not even putting that slide up because there's like 30 things, like everything from you know, your favorite football team, up to who you voted for, what you got on your SATs, what your major is, you know, all of these different things. And so hopefully we can learn a lesson from the Corinthians as well because he's trying to get us to buy into something really, really important here, okay? In Galatians 3.27, he says, For as many of you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ like a garment, there's no Jew, there's no Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That may be the hardest sell for any group of people coming together to be a church. All right. Can every single one of us who says we're following Jesus say, yep, right here, that's, I agree completely. I'm with that. That's my conviction. We're not talking about somebody who's better or worse or more talented or less talented or educated versus uneducated or where'd you go to school? Where'd you get your degree? Where'd you, how much money are you making? Okay, we're going, we come together as one. And as we've talked about before, what makes that difficult is that hopefully this one is extremely diverse. All right, and what do I mean by that? I mean in every racially, socioeconomically, right? D diverse from the standpoint of just where you come from, just you name it, rich, poor, it, just in every single way, Wh which country you came from, your personality types. You got to have some folks that are all artsy, some folks that are all athletic-y, some folks that are all intellectual, okay? But here's the problem. When you take a diverse group, and you say, okay, now we're all going to be one. Okay. Here's what we normally do. Okay. Right. The, the, the artsy people or the intellectual people are saying, man, I'm glad I'm not like those dumb jocks. They don't know. And then whatever major, the, the chemical engineering majors are saying, man, I don't know about the, you know, so-and-so majors, the PE majors, man. I don't even know if we can trust them. They barely got into college, you know. And there, there's all of these things going on, and this is the hardest thing to lay that down because we've all learned how to find like a pecking order about where we fit into this world. And most of us are pretty content. We don't have to be at the top, but we really, really, really don't want to be at the bottom. And so oftentimes what we do in a setting, like in a group, is we want to find out who's above me and who's below me. Like, I got to find my place. 
And what Paul is saying is, is stop doing that. All right, just leave that at the door. That's where the world is messing this up. It's because we're trying to find a pecking order instead of coming in going, hey, we're going to be one together, like mutually loving one another. Mutual, as we've um, read in a few chapters where Paul said, where I'm willing to give up my freedom for the betterment of one of my brothers or sisters. Boy, that is a crazy, awesome community right there. All right. And so Paul's writing this whole story and he's trying to get the Corinthians like, come on, buy into this. Stop these divisions, okay? We're going to see that he's going to dig into it a little bit more here. In case you wanted, like, when did Jesus say anything about this? Here you go, John 17. This is actually Jesus praying. I want you to take a second. Could you imagine what it would be like to be with Jesus while he was praying? Could you imagine if Jesus was like, hey, come and pray with me? I'm like, seriously? Really? Can you imagine? This is something he prayed. He says, I'm in them and you're in me to the Father. May they be made completely one so that, okay, that's really important that we see, so that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. There's a really specific purpose. I don't think there's anybody in here that you would say, I want to thwart God's plan for this world. I don't think anybody, if you are, then like just, you don't have to raise your hand. Okay? <laughs> you really don't. But I don't think there's anybody going, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with like interfacing with God and telling him, I'm taking your plan and I'm going in a different direction. All right? Except here's his explicit plan is that his people would be one so that the world would know. Okay? Isn't that crazy? And so, again, for us, it isn't a matter of having more information. It's a matter of going, well, I, well, I submit to this. Will I submit to this or will I be like, well, I don't know. I don't like that person. I don't like, well, I don't even know about this guy and this girl and all these kind of things. Or is it we become that way? And that's been, and I will tell you for the last few months, that has been an exciting journey we've been on. Because, man, I know you guys have had a lot of conversations. I've had a lot of conversations. And I love the idea that people are like fighting for these things in a good way. Okay? That, that man, brothers and sisters are going, this is what my conviction is. I love that. We've got to keep that going here, Okay? Uh, but let's go over to 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to read the first 11 verses, okay? So go ahead and do that. Uh, Paul says, now concerning what comes from the Spirit, brothers, I don't want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you used to be led off to the idols that could not speak. Therefore, I'm informing you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. There are different activities, but the same God activates each gift in each person. A demonstration of the Spirit is given to each person to produce what is beneficial. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith 
by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the performing of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another different kinds of languages, to another interpretation of languages. But one in the same Spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as he wills. Okay. This is getting a little bit crazy here, right? You're going, hold on a minute. Let, let, let's take a look at what he's talking about here. First of all, he says, here, here's the deal. I, brother, I don't want you to be ignorant. That's what that word unaware. I don't want you to be ignorant. And he's saying the spirit of God, listen, he's like, you guys were used to being led away by idols. So let's paint a little bit of a picture of what that would look like to people who lived in Corinth, okay? Specifically Gentile Christians here he's talking to, people who were involved in pagan worship. Like, well, you know, what would that look like, okay? This, is the, this would be a worship service that you may find in Corinth, okay? Super chaotic. Now, understand something. This isn't the Christian church. This is pagan worship. Not uncommon to be extremely chaotic, so people just kind of like jumping in and yelling out and screaming, okay? It tended to be sexually promiscuous as a form of worship, all right? So you come to a worship service, is not uncommon, all right? And, and now we start understanding why the Corinthian Christians were having a hard time with sexual immorality. They came from a world where their own gods, you know, required them to be sexually promiscuous in their worship. Animal sacrifices... There were these wild, crazy, like, meaningless utterances being yelled out, mostly by the women. That was their role. And banging cymbals. All right? So, so paint that picture. All right? If this is your first time in here and you come in and you've got this chaos, you've got animal sacrifice going on, you've got Sarah, she's running around with a cymbal, like, yelling things we don't understand, and Liz running after her, and you go, Whoa. It's a little bit strange. Chaotic to them, emotion meant that they were connecting to their God. What's fascinating about that is very easy for us in Christianity to ascribe to that very thing. If I can have an emotional response, that must mean I've connected. All right? So this is really what they're used to seeing here. And he's saying, you guys used to be led off by these idols because they would go and worship Man, you had Dionysius, you had Artemis, you had these, these, these gods, and he actually says that they couldn't speak. That what he really is saying is, you were led off by dumb idols. That's exactly what he's talking about. He's like, you were led. They couldn't speak, but we're among a God who can speak. Okay, so that's really important that he's, he's showing the Corinthians, you guys went to these lengths, to an idol, to a god, who couldn't speak. In fact, they were so mute, you had to speak for them. He says, but now, right, is we have a God who speaks. And he doesn't speak inconsistently. All right? So when we're hearing and we're talking about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit isn't going to say something against Jesus. All right? The Holy Spirit is going to say exactly what Jesus has said. Those words are going to go hand in hand, okay? And so he's just trying to help them along here with this. And he says that there are these different gifts, but the same spirit. So again, he's just, this is just a little bit of a historical kind of a, 
an idea of getting us into, like, why was Paul writing this this way? And then he was letting them know that, hey, there's a whole lot of different ways that the Holy Spirit is equipping his people. There's a whole lot of different ways. The questions we ask oftentimes, like, if Paul were to come here and say, hey, listen, here's what God does. His Holy Spirit is going to equip every single one of his followers. There's a few things that pop in our head. First of all, which one's the best one to get? Right? I don't want to get a dumb one. I don't want to get an embarrassing one. I don't want one that's going to humiliate me, right? We want to know which is the best. He'll never say which is the best, because that's exactly what the Corinthians would have asked. Which one is the best? How long do I get it for? A lot of times we think, man, if God's going to give me some spiritual gift, is that for life? Is that just for a circumstance? You know, what is it? We have all of these questions, like how is he going to do this? And what I'm going to remind us of, there's something that we really have to make sure that we're not missing out, okay? Is he's telling us why he gives these gifts, okay? This, this section is not about us getting into some theology of which gift is which. He's, he gives us a general overview. He says there's different ones, and they're for these reasons right here. They're for this purpose, Um. Right down there above, right at the end of verse 7, a demonstration of the Spirit is given to each person to produce what's beneficial. Okay. And with that, the, the word, it's a richer word than just beneficial. Okay. That Greek word is actually something that builds up and brings together. Okay. So, so here's, what's, here's what I love about this. In Jesus, Jesus was God with us. The Holy Spirit is God in us. And he's saying, when I'm inside of my people, I'm going to equip them specifically to be able to bring together and build up the whole and not themselves. Okay, that's, that's very important to keep in mind. All right, is that he's giving us and he's equipping us to build up and bring together the whole, not to make me feel more saved, not to make me feel more encouraged, not to make me feel better about myself, not to make me feel like all of my, it isn't any of those things. And so it's really, really important that we understand that point, all right? Because if we take a step back, oftentimes what we end up doing in church is we just end up coming to church. And then we read something like this, and you all know what we think? That he's talking about he's giving us these things for being in church together. Like, like we have really kind of like, we, we've tried to cram every bit of Christianity into two hours on a Sunday. And everybody's gift is going to be, uh, you know, honored and everybody's going to have a place and everybody's going to do it. And we try to get bake sales and prayer and fellowship. You know, we try to get everything all in one for two hours because we don't want to have to do this any other time. Because you're busy and I'm busy, Right. Like, let's get it done now. I don't want to have to be going out and serving. Like, what can I do? Can I, like, give out the communion? Th that's great if you do. That's awesome. But please don't go and say, you know what? God gifted me to serve. Nailed it this week. No, man, you just did what any family does, right? It's not some, but here, no, man, my gift is singing. My gift is preaching. My gift is all, no, 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 no. Listen, let's think 
6.8 days other parts of the days of the week than Sunday from 10 to noon. This idea, I'm going to equip you to do something you could not do on your own. See, that's what I love about this. It's not that you were just born, like you may be born a great speaker, and so you think that's my gift. No, 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 you don't understand. God takes you when you're a horrible speaker and makes it powerful, all right? When you think you can't do something, okay? Because, I mean, it doesn't take a lot of power to take somebody that already has the talent and they go and do it. It's the person's like, I can't do that. And, and he's like, let me give you a message. Let me give you extra faith. Let me give you all these things. And we read this section, we miss the beauty of it. Because we start reading it, we're going, oh, people can't heal today. People can't do this today. People can't do that. And we start going in places that, that I think if Paul was here, he'd just be like shaking his head like, my goodness. <laughs> like, what do I have to do to get through to people? This isn't about trying to figure out, like, who can prophesy and who can do this and who can do that. It's the Holy Spirit saying, I'm going to be in my people and they will speak. It's going, to be in, it's going to be a gift that you did not earn. You didn't practice hard enough to get it. In fact, when all is said and done, that's all you can say is, I don't know where that came from. So ultimately, here's what it comes back to. How do you do that? How do you do that? Like if you were going to leave here right now, what you think about it? It's going, okay, well, we discussed the idea of this section. You're going, okay, well, let me go and, and get that done. Well, well, how? We are distinctly inequipped in our culture to be able to dig into this. Okay? And here's what I mean by that. Me and you are too hurried. We're too busy. Okay? We're too loud and noisy. We got too much, we got too much stuff from the world coming in to even hear what the Holy Spirit's trying to do, all right? You ever been there before? You've been with somebody, and you're trying to, like, help them out, like, hey, so I have this with my kids oftentimes, and I remember, you know, as a grown man, other grown men do this to me, too. They're like, hey, slow down a second. You ever been kind of revved up, and you're just like, no, I got this, I know, you know, and people around you are going, you don't have this, though. <laughs> you don't really know what you're talking about. Like, you have to stop long enough to listen. You have to stop long enough to let your pulse come down a little bit. You got to stop long enough and be silent long enough to where you're not just like totally like thinking about everything and homework and TV and money and job and all these things. But, but we're all in that. I think probably every single one of us in here. We live such a noisy life and I think what ends up happening is these sections frustrate us. Because we want this. Like, we want to be led by the Holy Spirit. We want to have this, like, message of hope. We want to be able to be wise. We want to be able to heal. We want to be able to do those things. And then we're going, man, do I just try really hard to do it? Like, sometimes it gets crazy, right? Because we think, oh, let me just go and do it, and he'll give it to me. No, 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 no. This is a matter of we, we must slow down. That may be the most painful thing you hear all week. You've got to slow down. If you're going to follow Jesus, you have to. Does that mean, hold, now hold up a minute, okay? I've got to say this. If you're binge watching Netflix, six, seven, eight seasons at a time, okay? Listen, don't go, yeah, awesome. He's, we're on the same page. 
Okay? Man, I've been slowing down and quiet for all kinds of time. No, no, no. I'm not talking about being lazy. Okay? I'm talking about that we slow our hearts down. And we slow the, slow the voice in our head down. Okay? This is where we've got to begin. All right? This, these 11 verses that Paul just shared... He shared them to a community of people, a community of disciples, and he said, man, y'all are so chaotic, and you guys are so noisy, and you guys are so, like, just all over the place, and you think your mute idols are telling you things, and you don't even realize that the Holy Spirit that's living inside of you is just designed to equip you to do things you've never been able to do before, But we'll never come in contact with this. We'll never interface with the Holy Spirit if we haven't, me and you, cultivated a heart of obedience. Okay? And, and I don't mean individually. Though certainly that's true. But I'm talking about when we all expect it from one another. So when I read the Bible, if I'm reading my Bible with a heart of obedience, I'm, I'm looking into it and in my mind, I'm going, okay, I'm an, as a disciple, I'm an apprentice of Jesus. And I'm listening like, okay, what is my teacher going to tell me? What is my king going to tell me to do? And we spent far too long saying, well, no, obedience is just about works and obedience is just earning things. Okay, I'm going to go back to my favorite analogy, okay, is us as mountain climbers going up like, you know, whatever, the, the, whatever huge mountain you're thinking of. And the, the thing that you got to have, okay, in these, on these places is the Sherpa, right? The guy that lives on the mountain that knows if you step over here, you'll die. You'll fall thousands of feet. And if you step over here, you'll fall. If you do, like, you have to follow the Sherpa. Would you ever in a million years, all right, as you're, as you're ascending Mount Everest, okay? And if you're not aware of what that's like, go watch a documentary on it because it will freak you out. Okay, I've watched a lot of these, and I can't imagine. So the Sherpas are going up, and there's, it looks like just a, like snow everywhere. You're like, man, it's solid ground. And they're walking on, on, a, on a ridge that wide with 1,000 feet on each side. Just this, this, it's just false snow. It's just kind of like, you know, like you're going to fall through it. Okay, I couldn't imagine like hiking behind the Sherpa and the Sherpa's like, I've been up here 10 billion times. I know, just put your feet where my feet are. Well, dude, I don't know, man. That's kind of messing up who I am. <laughs> like, like, now, Mr. Sherpa, I know you think you know better, but this is faster to go this way. And to a certain degree, it is faster. Okay, <laughs> it's just in the wrong direction. Okay, right, exactly, exactly. But I think to myself, in Christianity, we've like created this culture overall of disobedience, of this heartless thing, instead of going, no, man, my teacher is in front of me. And I'm like, man, because I love him, I trust him, and I'm putting my feet right where his feet are. And so when he's saying, hey, look out here, don't go there. Listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go make disciples. I want you to do these things. I want you to love people. I don't, I don't go around that. I'm like, okay, here we go. A cultivating a heart of obedience, okay? John 14, this is Jesus again. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. 
That's pretty simple. I mean, there's been, like, I don't know how much simpler that gets. And he said, I'll ask the Father. He'll give you another counselor to be with you forever. He's the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you know him because he remains with you and he'll be in you. All right, super simple. Like cultivating a heart of obedience. When I'm studying my Bible, I'm just thinking, okay, what are you asking me to do here? All right, what are you asking me to do? This is how we know that we love God's children when we love God and obey his commands. For this is what love for God is, to keep his commands. All right? Pretty simple. And what's amazing is, is virtually all his commands are relational. The things that he tells us not to do hurts relationships. The things he tells us to do nurture relationships. All right? Love, forgiveness, reconciliation, all of these things. All right? Obedience is not this dry, dead word. It's this, it's this really extravagant, like beautiful word of following Jesus here. Okay? So this is like, this is the question that each one of us has to ask, do I have that heart of obedience? Or do I talk away things when they get talked about in the Bible? All right, that, that's an easy thing to do. Do I expect the people sitting next to me to have a heart of obedience? Or, do, or am I just, okay, no, 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 it's okay, you, you kind of go and do your own thing. Or is there that expectation? I hope you have that expectation for me. I hope you do. I hope you have it for every brother and sister in here. The expectation that when Jesus says it, we follow. Okay? This is absolutely important. So in order to, like, connect with the Holy Spirit in a way that we can even understand, like, what are you asking me to do? What are you gifting me to do at this moment? Without a culture of obedience, I'm all away from the Holy Spirit. How do you hear God's voice? All right. This is, this is cultivating a sensitivity to God's voice. Okay, we're, let, let, let's, let's turn to a couple places here. Turn over to 1 Kings 19. Go on back in the Old Testament, 1 Kings And we're going to start right there in verse 9-ish, 9 right there at the new paragraph. 1 Kings 19, the word of the Lord came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Okay, now let me, let me give you a little background here. Elijah had some crazy, awesome miracles happen in his life. And then he got scared. And he started running like crazy. Right? Have you ever been really scared before? Has anybody ever chased you? I mean, I remember being a kid, and we had these big boys in our neighborhood <laughs> that would chase us around. It was scary. All right? They could ride their bikes faster than us. 
And they would just ride right behind. Oh, man, it scared me to death. Here's what I don't do really well when I'm scared is I don't listen well at all. I don't stop to, th- I'm, I'm trying to save my life, okay? This is what Elijah's doing. He's running and running and running, and God says, hey, what are you doing here? And that may be the very question God is asking us. Like, what are you doing where you are? Like, why are you there? And this is what Elijah says in verse 10. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord, God of hosts, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I'm the only one left, and they're looking for me to take my life. Then God said, go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. At that, mountain, at that moment, the Lord passed by. A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was shattering cliffs before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Suddenly, a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Okay. So we've got to kind of picture ourselves in this. Can you imagine wind? and fire, and earthquake all around you, tearing the mountain up. Cliffs are falling down. I mean, it's a blazing fire. Could you imagine how chaotic it is? And oftentimes we would think, but that's how God talks. Like he gets our attention with these big, huge things. And then there's this little whisper. Has has anybody ever talked to you when people whisper to you? And, And you have to get still. And you've got to kind of lean in a little bit. Okay. And here's the deal is God isn't saying that that's his voice. It's not the still. But he's like, you've got to slow down a little bit so we can talk. Like, slow down. What are you doing here? I think what ends up happening with us is we get on this, like, hamster wheel of craziness. And all of these circumstances happen. I mean, we had our dumb dishwasher this week like pour water underneath our wood floors and so like our whole house has got to get refloored I mean we got like mold we got things coming up and it's just one of those things where you're like man and it just feels like everything's going fast and then life still goes on and then there's quarantine for COVID and there's all of these things happening and it's really easy to just kind of be like like an overstimulated child like we're just like fussy and we don't hear, I'm just, fu- just everything, I'm just tense and fussy, okay? And these are the times when God has to go, hey, take a minute, slow down. You, you got to go away and get somewhere silent, quiet. You, you've got to be tuned in to the soft whisper. Can I slow down enough to do that? Okay. First Samuel 3 this one, little Samuel was living in the temple, and he kept hearing a voice. And he kept going, and he was like, hey, did you call me? And dude's like, no. And back and forth, he said, this is the Lord's voice. Next time you hear that, say, here I am, you know, I'm listening. Speak to me, Lord. All right? It's that idea of having a sensitivity to his voice. 
Ecclesiastes 5 says, hey, here's the deal. Don't be hasty with your words when you go in front of God. Isn't it easy to do that? Sometimes you start praying, you start praying at a million miles an hour. All right, I got a prayer time. It's going to be 20 minutes. Let's go. You know, and it's just how fast can I get through it and pray for everybody and pray about everything. And, and God is saying, hey, hey, before you come to God, like slow up a second. Be careful with your words before you get close. Like just settle down for a second. This is really asking a lot. Because the world's not going to slow down. Your, your teachers aren't going to give you extra time. All right, everything else is going to continue to go quickly. But if we want to be used by the Spirit of God, we're going to have to cultivate this sensitivity to God's voice. Psalm 1, the entire psalm is incredible. First couple of verses. How happy is the man who doesn't follow the advice of the wicked? Or take the path of sinners or join a group of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. All right. So you, you're already aware that one of the things we do as a church is we are really trying to connect to God in prayer and fasting. All right. Be, being busy as a church is not going to get us connected to God. All right. Being busy in our life is not going to get us connected to God. It's a matter of connecting and hearing him and praying and fasting. And here's something that gets almost universally left behind is this idea of how do I meditate? How do I meditate on God's word? Because here's what ends up happening. This, this is me right here. When I'm going fast and life is crazy and all that kind of stuff, I want to cram as much as I can into the shortest amount of like time I can get with God. And then I start telling myself, okay, well, what God is telling me to do is this. And what God is telling me to do is that. And what God is telling me, because I'm moving so quick, I can't, I've got to manufacture something. Instead of taking some time and going, let me meditate on the word of God. Let me find out whose voice I'm listening to. The faster I go, the more I'm listening to my own voice. God said this, God said that, God's saying this, God's telling me to do that. When people say that, sometimes the first question I want to ask is, talk to me about how you slowed down enough and were silent enough to know that to be true. And almost exclusively, it's like, I don't have time for that. Then we make up kind of this mythical God in our head that just tells us things, Right? How do you meditate? So here's the crazy thing. This is not, understand something. This is not Eastern meditation. Okay, this isn't, this isn't Buddhism. This isn't these things. In, in Eastern meditation, what you do is you empty yourself of everything. This is the complete opposite. This is us silently filling ourselves with God's word. Fill, being filled, not emptied. And so how do you practice this? Okay, here, here's the thing. You're, you're going to have to be very intentional each day to get away somewhere, somewhere silent, somewhere without your phone, somewhere without your headphones, somewhere without any ability for somebody to get in touch with you. Away from televisions, radio. I'm not talking about driving in your car. 
I'm talking about going somewhere silent and alone. And, and it may be, you know, where do I start? Maybe it's just Psalm 1. I'll tell you what, for me, it's just an easy, are easy things to meditate on is, is the Gospels of Jesus, his narratives, his parables, the Sermon on the Mount, okay? So I'll take a section, right? And, like, you have this section where he talks about don't worry, Matthew 6, all right? We're, we're familiar with that, right? <sighs> Might be the section of the Bible we're most cynical of. Like, don't worry, I'm not going to obey that. <sighs> I just won't. I'm going to continue doing life the way I want to do life and just kind of just throw this off. Except in the section of Matthew 6, when you meditate on Matthew 6, he actually teaches us to meditate. He says, here's what I want you to do. Go out and look at flowers. Just go. Could you imagine that? Go and look at flowers and sit there long enough and, sit to, to, and silent enough to go, wow, those things didn't get to where they are on their own. They don't, do, they don't contribute anything and God makes them beautiful. He says, look at the birds. Right? So this is just meditation time. Just look at, meditate on nature, and nature is going to speak to you of how incredible God is about the birds that they don't have to worry. They're fed. Okay? They don't have to worry about things. God is taking care of these little sparrows, and he says, how much more are me and you worth to him? Okay? My, my fear is, is that this is going to be one of those things that very easily could become kind of like like Christian extra credit of, okay, I'll meditate every once in a while when I really need it. What, what, here's what I'm asking us to do is let's intentionally build this into the, just the rhythm of our lives. Okay? I'm not asking for another appointment. I'm talking about that it is woven into the fabric of who you are. All right? So a few things already are. Brushing your teeth, taking a shower. You know, these aren't things that you're like going, oh, man, i got to schedule those each day. I hope not. Goodness gracious. They've just become woven in, eating, taking care of yourself. Going, and, and what we're talking about here is going, hold on a minute. How can I practice something in a way that it becomes who I am, not another appointment? So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Start out with 30 minutes this week. All right? And, and I already know how it's going to turn out for some of you guys. It's going to be absolutely painful. It's going to be the worst experience of your week. You're, you're going to be hurting. You're going to, you're, going to, you're going to miss your phone so desperately. You're, because here's the deal is, is our phones and the like buttons and all those things, man, that we're high on those things. Like in our like we literally are like so stimulated that to put it away, you may have anxiety putting that away, right? And, and here's what I'm going to ask you to do is, listen, it's time to get on the wagon here, okay? It's time to start putting these things away and dealing with the consequences of breaking free from them for the benefit of hearing God's voice. 
Okay, so it may be it may be taking TV away. It may be taking social media away. It may be it may be all kinds of things. But that's what I'm going to ask you to do. Thirty minutes, go into the woods, go somewhere quiet, go somewhere alone. Don't go to a coffee shop and do this. You're crazy. There's no silence in a coffee shop. Go somewhere alone. Take the Bible. You're like, I don't even know where to start. Hey, man, start in Psalm 1. And just, man, we're meditating. We're reading through it. We're praying. We're listening. We're being silent. And you're going to think you're silent for like hours, and it's been like two minutes. Okay? Believe me. I mean, it's, it, this is what happens. But we aren't going to be able to hear his voice in a hurried, busy, self-centered world. We just aren't going to be able to do it. All right? From my experience, what's really great about this, I don't ever feel better than when I'm, when, when I'm done meditating. Like, I walk away going, why don't I do this all the time? Like, this is incredible, right? In Isaiah 53, God says, pay attention, come to me, and listen so you'll live. The first thing we often want to do in Christianity, okay, even if you're super zealous, maybe you're not like the guy who's just like super busy. You're a zealot for God. You want to work for God. You want to do great things for God. You want to do amazing things for his kingdom, okay? And the first thing we oftentimes end up doing is just rushing into doing things. And oftentimes the first thing that needs to be is, hey, stop and listen. Stop and listen. Listen to the word of God. Pray and listen. And just slow down a little bit before we just go rushing in everywhere. Psalm 46, he says, be still and know that I'm God. Uh, again, I don't know how many of you guys are couch potatoes in here. And you're thinking, this is the greatest thing in the world. Okay? Uh, hopefully you're just not hearing that. Be still and know I'm God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. Just be still. Okay. How many people do you know that are really good at that? Like, really good. They're okay with silence. They're okay with still. They're okay getting away from devices, TV shows, public settings, and they're really good at it. I don't know many. I don't know many. Whoops, missed that one. Darn. See what happens when I start using the slides up here? Everything. That, that quote, here's the deal. See, it says, hurry is not of the devil. Hurry is the devil. All right, man, we're bopping around. Here's, what our, here's one of the last things I'm going to share with you is us being hurried everywhere. It has nothing to do with our circumstances. It has to do with the temperature of our own heart. It's a decision. All right, Th there can be a million things going on and you are not hurried. But again, it's all of these things. Our world is like designed for us to be revving at 7,000 RPMs all the time. And so that's the, that's the simple homework this week. 
All right? Not just one time. Not just two times. Is, is let's get a little bit going each day. Bring your journal out so you can write a little bit in it maybe afterwards. But I would love to hear, because here's the thing is, is when people begin meditating on God's word, there is like crazy things that starts happening, like our eyes start opening. We, we had a campus retreat uh, back in Tallahassee. Our campus ministry would go on a retreat out into the um, swamplands at, at Lake Seminole. And <laughs> we went away, and we would always have the campus group go away and meditate for an hour. Like the first thing we would do is they would just go out into the alligator-ridden swamps, right? And like try not to get eaten by the animals that want to kill you. And, and he went out, and everybody came back, and, and everybody was like, where's Tyler? And, and we couldn't find Tyler for a while. And that joker was out there, and he was so into this. He was just like, I lost track of just the, the world, you know? And I was like, that's awesome. I'm glad. I was he got eaten by alligator, okay? But I was fired up that he was like, no, man. I was, like, I was totally rocking this thing out here, okay? Um, but here's the deal. Let's engage in this. Let's make this woven into like just the fabric of our own lives and the fabric of our communities where we're talking about it with one another. But not just for us, not just for now, not just to get something, but let's teach this to somebody as well. See, see that's the thing. Can I sit down and walk someone with me through this to help them pass it on and teach them to pass it on to others who will pass it on? All right. This is the springboard right here. These 11 verses are a springboard into some crazy awesome stuff the next couple chapters, right? This is Paul just like priming it up right here, and we're about to get into some things that are absolutely incredible, but it's imperative that we're hearing the Spirit's voice, all right? Let's go to God in prayer. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.